0: Welcome to Island Baptist Church. Today's Bible study is entitled, Where Do We Go From Here? Lesson 6. Welcome, everybody. Uh, so we are looking at this series, and I'm adding some of my own stuff, which is neither here nor there. It's just important that we get this information out, that people hear it, and uh, we, because we really need to know our days. The Bible says we need to understand wisdom. We need to understand who we are, what we're supposed to be, the kind of people we're supposed to be, our culture's changing underneath us, in front of us. And then we ourselves aren't changing or we're not, I don't think we should change as much as we should be ready and understand uh, the kind of people we're supposed to be, how we're supposed to answer. So we're going to be looking at this whole issue of cancel culture uh, and uh, what the Bible has to say about it and amazingly points it, Jesus puts it right smack dab in one of the multiple signs of the end times. So to be canceled, you know that we're going to see that tonight. So thanks again so much for our ladies and, and for our gentlemen who caught the fish and cooked and then the rest of you who brought food. So thank you so much. And if y'all fall asleep in this, it's okay, I understand, because overfed. We ate we ate big earlier today at, after the baptism and then we ate big here, and so it's just gonna be it's just gonna be one of those nights. It's okay, just don't snore. If he snores out loud, you give him a you're distracting, you're waking other people up, honey. I didn't know it was Huh? <laughs> Well, whatever. I can't talk against the ladies, David. You know that. It gets me in big trouble. All right. Let's pray. We're going to be in Matthew. If you would like to go ahead and turn to Matthew 7, we're going to be there here in a little bit. And uh, just to start us off, Matthew 7, Matthew 24, and some other places we're going to be turning to. Otherwise, as usual, it's going to be on the screen. God, I thank you so much that we can be together. Thank you for our fellowship. Thank you for providing uh, the food that you did for us, and we ask God now that you provide this spiritual food. We know, God, that uh, in a world of wolves, we're nothing but sheep, but uh, our Heavenly Father is our shepherd, and so he's able to guide us, teach us, make us uh, wise as serpents, but innocent as doves. And so, Lord, we're committing our hearts and minds to you. We ask you, God, to open our eyes to your truth and what you've always been saying, and help us to apply it to our times and and uh, be useful to you because of it. We ask these things in Jesus' name, Amen. Uh, since 1968, with all of its uh, riots and assassinations, I was only a year old, by the way. Some of you were here a lot longer than that, but all of its riots and assassinations, all of its turmoil, all of its racial tensions. Uh, LBJ, president, uh, war in Vietnam Uh, etc, etc. There has not been a year like that year until 2020. And we had a year, did we not? We had a year. Uh, Stuff just went absolutely crazy. The whole nation, the whole world, racial tensions, pandemic scare, floundering economy, oil prices went negative. Never thought that would ever happen. Stock market plunge, negative real interest rates, impeachment of the Donald Trump, our president. Uh, uh, in addition to the fact that it was an election year, on top of all that, we had so many things to disagree over. And like I said, I don't, in my opinion, not since 1968 have we had that level of stuff. Well, in the middle of all that, there was a pastor in Alabama by the name of Chris Hodges, and his his church uh, there in Alabama, a large church, very effective ministry, in in, in Birmingham. And uh, he woke up one morning and went on his Instagram and uh, was just reading through different people's posts and liked a couple of things that were said by a particular uh, conservative writer, commentator. Nothing big, no big deal. Just hit the like button on a couple of things. Well, it happened to be seen by a teacher who was part of the Alabama, Birmingham, Alabama school district, and she didn't like what he liked. And uh, so she proceeded to make a Facebook post basically saying, I don't appreciate Pastor Hodges liking what he liked. And it wasn't so much what he liked, but the fact that he liked anything of what this one particular conservative writer had said. Because in other places he had said some things. In her own words, in, in her defense, she was just simply saying that particular writer was not necessarily a very culturally sensitive person given the conditions of the world that we were in. That's all she said, nothing Nothing more than that, but it exploded. This was a very influential church, very big church there, and still is in Birmingham. Uh, it exploded to the level of the Birmingham Housing Authority cutting them off. Uh, they were renting, part, well actually the Birmingham Housing Authority was being very benefited by the church, but they were renting one of their facilities to this church, so this church could have a satellite campus in some of their poorer sections of, of Birmingham trying to bring the gospel, trying to bring Christian ministry in the midst of places where it was really, really dark and really in need. Uh, the, this, they also cut off the, one of the church's main ministries that was founded years earlier to provide free health care services to the residents of public housing. So free health care in the midst of COVID, and they canceled it. So that's Birmingham Housing Authority. And then the Birmingham School District, which also rented to this church two auditoriums that they use for other satellite places, again, just throughout Birmingham, really big church doing lots of incredible, uh, important ministry. Uh, The Birmingham School District chimed in also and kicked them out. And uh, they were paying massive rent, by the way, to the Birmingham School District to be able to use these facilities. So, So given all the ways that the pastor, the church contributed to the community helping the poor, uh, the marginalized, ministering widely to uh, and well to their community, served thousands of meals during COVID time. Uh, the church did uh, all kinds of ministry during the pandemic, uh, made mass for people, hosted blood drives, helped other churches get their services online because we were all shut down. And uh, all the pastor had to do, given all that, had to go in and just like a couple of pages on Instagram, and out come the pitchforks and torches. What happened? They got. Cancelled what happened. Canceled very quickly, very effectively. I mean, they lost a lot of their ministry just really, really quick. Cancel used to be described something we did with magazines and newspapers, right? Now, seemingly, it's what we do with people. We we cancel them. They're canceled. In our society, canceling someone is punishing them for doing something or saying something, even thinking something, even even us thinking that they're thinking something, we cancel them. If you violate this set of unwritten rules that you're currently in play throughout the liberal world, uh, you get canceled. It's not just a liberal problem, though. We're going to talk about that in just a second. There are three stages to being canceled. Number one, an attempt is, is made to publicly humiliate the person because there's no jury, there's no judge, there's no due process, but everybody knows that they're wrong, right? No way to prove it. So you attempt, number one, to publicly humiliate them. Number two, the person is pushed mercilessly to apologize, even if what they're accused of has no merit whatsoever. And whether they apologize or not, there is an attempt made to remove that person or entity from public office, forums, media, uh, conversation permanently. That's what it means to be canceled. This is a process that's happening all around us. As a result... People have been fired, they've been mocked, they've been, lives have been threatened, uh, deplatformed, delegitimized. Uh, Professor Evan Gersman said it this way, he says, There is no single accepted uh, set of rules, definition of cancel culture, uh, but at its worst it's about an unaccountable, unaccountable group successfully applying pressure to punish someone for perceived wrongs. So it's uh, amazing it really is. and The victims lose their jobs, they significantly harmed in some way, well beyond the issue that was disagreeable. Like I said, he liked a few posts by a particular individual who really had not said anything, and, and nothing, nothing I probably wouldn't have said. But because it was in that day, and because there was such a push, and because everybody was so super hypersensitive, he just liked a couple of posts, and boom, the church, a third of the church's ministry falls out. So, so what does it take for a person to be canceled? No one knows. Not until you do it. Not until whatever line that's invisible out there, no one knows. It's like a drunk driver. And uh, he's coming down the highway. you got four line, you got four lanes, he's got four lanes. He might hit you, he might hit the car behind you, he might hit the car in front of you, he might hit both, nobody. But he's plowing through, and the best thing to do is just get out as much as you can. Get out of the way. Uh, Marie Purdy is another person who was canceled during this time. She's an artist who was accused of plagiarism. wasn't true. Uh, she published this artwork that was someone thought, only thought, that it was f- familiar or looked similar to another piece of artwork. She easily proved that it was not. It had it had been started way before this other person and had no relationship to the person. She was not familiar with that person, nor was the person familiar with her. Nonetheless, several hundred people took it upon themselves to get on public, uh, to get on social media, and they published this everywhere. And she was, I mean, just berated by people, scores, hundreds. She says, I've had three kids, I've had two miscarriages, I've had all kinds of operations, I've lost my husband, but I have never had the pain that I was dealt with in the midst of all this uh, canceling of her. So do you think the Bible has a problem with this? Do you think God has a problem with canceling people? So Jesus was asked, what are the two greatest commandments, and what did he say? Love and love, right? Love the Lord your God with all your whole soul, heart, soul, mind, and strength. They only ask the greatest, by the way, they only ask the greatest commandment. He gives them two for one. What's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God, all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then... Here's the second one. Love your neighbor as yourself. They're hand in hand. You can't do one without the other. I cannot love my neighbor without loving God, but if I claim to love God and don't love my neighbor, Uh uh-uh. No, that doesn't work. There are a few things less loving than publicly raking people over the coals and trying to get them fired or shamed or silenced or whatever, and all for the sin of daring to disagree with you. It's just where we are. And it, it's where we are also because of people's accessibility to information, social media, and other things, and the power that comes from that. So, but here's, this is where we are. This is this is Romans chapter 1, verses 28 through 32. Look at the list here. We've been looking at the, at a list over in 2 Timothy of what the end times will look like. Here's another list. We looked this morning, started looking at what happens when, when our foolish hearts start people, even though they knew God, they didn't honor him as God or give thanks, but they became fuel in their speculations. Their foolish heart was darkened, professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for, for images in the form of corruptible man and creatures and other things. And God gives them over three different times. The final giving over is this just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God, that's, that's not that big a sin, is it? Yeah, it is. So if God no longer exists in my world, He no longer exists in my thought processes, I am capable of anything, any sin, nothing to rein me in. Did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a depraved mind. This is where we are today. To do those things which are not proper, people having been filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, and evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, Malice, they are gossips, slanderers, haters of God. Insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving. They just don't care anymore. They don't care if they hurt you. They don't care if they destroy you. Does it doesn't bother them a bit? Uh, it goes on here in the, next, uh, the final two verses, final three verses, four verses unmerciful it says they are after unloving although they know the ordinance of god that those who practice such things are worthy of death see we never can get away from this there's there's a code written into us that says there really is a god and that we're really going to answer to him even the ones that say there is no such thing and they hate god and all that there's a code there's just no way to get around it even though they know so all their sinning and all their lying and all their hating and all their darkness does not get rid of the code if you will that those who practice such things are worthy of death. They not only do the same, but also approve those who practice them. This is where we are, ladies and gentlemen. This is where we are. What's wrong with these people? There you go. That's what's wrong with them. God has given us up. You know, cultures and everything. I was just having a conversation with Mark over here, because there, there, there have been times where cultures have gone up and down. We've had issues, and people have had problems in different cultures and Countries have gone bad, and other countries have got but there was always a, countries out there that were better, and this country went down that came back up. Guys, we're the moral standard. we still are the United States morally speaking we're still, we'll still the human human rights and other things we're still the standard in the world, and it's terrible here, so what's it like everywhere else? Something less, something worse so so we're the if the, if you're in the stock market, if you continue to get lower highs, what's that telling you? It's about to crash. Lower high, higher low, lower high, you know, dot, 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 it starts, it's, it's stair-stepping. We're stair-stepping down out of this thing, and so, uh, so here we are. Jesus spent a lot of time in his day uh, with people who had been canceled by conservatives. I know, oh, here we are as conservatives, all mad at the liberals, but There are a few people better at canceling than conservatives. Check your history. We're really good. The the cancelers in Jesus' day were the extreme moralists. They were cancelers. Jesus spent most of his time. It's not a liberal phenomenon. It is a sin phenomenon. Just because you're conservative doesn't make you not a sinner. Okay? Everybody okay with that? You understand that? So conservatives go to hell just like the liberals do. You have to know Jesus. Sorry. Don't get to make the rules here. So conservative doesn't get you out of hell. So neither does it make you actually good on the inside. Jesus says of the most moral people who possibly ever lived, they were whitewashed tombs. Outside clean and white, inside nothing but dead men's bones. Those people were horrible. They killed the Son of God. How can you get worse than that? They were not liberals. They were were conservative. So Jesus spent a ton of time with these canceled people of that day. The woman at the well. Talk about a canceled person. She showed at the well at noon. Why? Because the whole society canceled her. She was immoral. She was a Samaritan. There's, there's another marginalization. She was a woman. Marginalized, marginalized, marginalized. I mean, you've got such a small margin by that time, and Jesus doesn't cancel her. Jesus accepts her. Uh, Jesus uh, uh, touched the untouchable like the lepers. He welcomed the sinners who were outcasts. He blessed children. Children were not considered to be worth anything because they died. So they weren't considered to be valuable until they were, reached their, their uh, bar mitzvah or bat mitzvah, uh, until they were 12. Uh, cast demons out of the local crazy guy. Talk about a marginalized individual. I mean, yeah, for all the right reasons, the guy would beat up everybody. He was violent, and Jesus cast all the demons out of him, and now sends him back as a missionary to his, to his own culture. Uh, uh, he uh, comforts the thief on the cross. That's a marginalization. There's only two of those guys. He's comforted the guy. Uh, he washes amazingly on the night of his betrayal, he washes Judas's feet. He doesn't even cancel, Ju- even though he knows what Judas is going to do. Amazing mercy, amazing grace. If there is any culture that needs to see the real mercy and grace of God, it is this culture. And you and I are responsible dispensers of, that, of those very things. So it would be nice to think that this whole cancel culture is temporary and it's a phase our culture is going through. Unfortunately, our society is becoming more and more separated. I mean, think about it. I'm 55. you got some of you older here. Are we closer together than we've ever been or further apart? Are we more likely to be involved in people's lives or are we less likely to be involved in people's lives? It's a struggle in church. you got tons of people that come to church and don't know anybody, don't want to know anybody. Guys, that's a condition of the cancel culture. They've not necessarily been canceled, but they've canceled themselves, and we're going to see why why possibly we would do that. And cancel, of course, is just spitefulness It's common in all human nature. You go on a children's playground, the kids are canceling each other. That's the way kids act. So we're just big kids. And by the way, the bully on the playground, you know who that is, right? Media. I've already told you that. Stop watching them, people. You see, they're smart enough to know if they turn us on each other that, that they can get away with murder, and we're dumb enough to let them do it. Media, social media, you need, that, you need to cancel that, because they're, they're smart enough to know that they can do it. The culture, current culture is a product of our own he, evil human nature, we're born with it, plus our over-involvement in what's going on. Who, 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 told, who told you you need to be involved in this stuff anyway? Well, I need to know. So you're the president, I guess. I don't know, the governor. You're the chief of the police, the chief of the FBI or something. I think that person needs to be informed. But no offense, we're just a bunch of ignorant people here. I mean, I love all y'all. Me too. We don't need to know this stuff, especially if it's dominating us and taking us away from the mission that God's called us to. So, so why do not you need to know that stuff when it's distracting you? Uh, so, so we're madder as I said before. We're madder today at more people that we that we've never met. Because why? Because because the media tells me to be mad, or they give me stuff that they know it's gonna boil over for me. And so, like I said, they're the bully on the playground. They know whether they know for sure or not. They just know it gets ratings, but. Uh, our evil human nature plus our over involvement, what's going on, with no way or seemingly desire to verify any of it and, or understand what's really really happening. The result is this hysteria over half truths. Again, if it's secondhand information, consider it not to be true. No offense about whoever told it to you. But now they saw it. You've gotten their interpretation of it. Now they've told you you've made an interpretation of an interpretation of an original event that you were not there to see. So it's a half-truth at best. Take it, talk to them, love them to death, and then throw it away. you got no place in your brain for second information. You just don't have time for it. Again, no offense. You're not that smart. We're just not. You're not going to ever find out the end of that, so don't bother your brain with it. Don't give it any time. Again, we're, we're, we have this hysteria over half-truths and lies and misinformation that is used to clobber people, put them on public trial with no witnesses, no recourse, and no due, due process. That's where we are today. And when what's, what's happened is this has always been, I guess, apparently available to us, but now we've ceased to care. We just don't care anymore. Don't love anymore. I don't feel pain anymore. I'm not bothered by someone else's pain. And so we just move ahead. And we're going to see here what Jesus has to say, first of all, here in Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. Do not judge lest you be judged. Of course, this judgment is not talking about, I see you doing something that you shouldn't do, according to the scriptures, and me going and saying you shouldn't do it. That's not what he's talking about here. It's me seeing you live in your regular life and saying, you know, I think he's up to something. I know he did the right thing, but his motive was this. You don't know nobody's motives. You never will unless you're God. I think he did it for this reason. Stop thinking like that. You don't know. Listen, that's the kind of judgment Jesus says, don't you dare do it, because if you do, what goes around will come around. He's promising you here, so I would think he's going to carry through. Do not judge lest you be judged, for in the way that you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Well, they said it was true, and I know all of them. They're good people. Yeah, but you had to hear it from them, and they probably heard it from somebody else. And I'm, I'm not, again, we're not, we're not arguing their intent, but I'm arguing your reason to pass it on. Don't do it. You're, 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 you're getting, becoming a part of this rumor mill. By your standard measure, it will be measured to you. In other words, where, did anybody grow up in a small town where they had chickens? Where the chickens roam around like they don't—they lived in somebody's yard, but then they got out and roamed around all over town. So they, you've heard the term "chickens come home for, to roost," but well, that doesn't mean anything if you keep them all in your in your yard. It means something though if they're able to roam all around town. Because you see a chicken in somebody's yard, you're like, "Whose chicken is that?" I don't know. But wait till it goes dark; that chicken will go back home. So, if you're dealing out the chickens, if you will. And they're in everybody else's lives and yards. Guess what happens? Eventually they're coming home to your house. The chickens will come home to roost. Why do you look, Jesus says, at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Notice he doesn't say you shouldn't notice the speck. He just says you need to take care of your own business first. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll be see clearly to take the speck of your own brother's eye, introspective first. So yeah, you've got stuff in your life that I can see, but I probably have stuff in my life that I really can't see. I need to take a closer look at it. So, so our media, again, preys upon our desire to know things and judge things, just like Jesus says here, without all the information. To, to judge internals based upon externals. Don't do that. They prey upon this, and they control us, through it, again, they're the bully in the playground. They're not the only ones, but they, they, they use our sinful natures against us. They're smart enough to do it, and like I said, we're dumb enough to let them. Matthew 24. Let's see, I've called you dumb. I've called you, uh, what else have I called you tonight? I'm on a roll. Wow. You're not smart enough. You're not important enough. What else did I say? Whew, yeah, chickens. We're not even... Not even 20 minutes in. <laughs> it's going to be a great night. Matthew 24. Then We've been here several times because this is the scenario. Jesus gives these six or seven things here. Signs of the end times. And one of the signs we saw last time is this whole apostasy thing. People who claim to be with Christ. We saw, talked about last time a pastor who have been serving as a pastor for 20 years and all of a sudden just turns up and says he doesn't believe in Jesus anymore. What is that? It's so what the Bible calls apostasy. To be an apostate you have to have first signed on. So I joined and I, I was baptized and I was part of the church and I was a part of the ministry and then one day I woke up and something changed in me and I don't believe in Jesus anymore. That's apostasy. Apostasy is not atheism. You have to have been something to apostatize from it An atheist never was. So, so that's part of the story here but we're, let's, let's look at all the signs. Many Will come in my name, so this is one of the signs, many, not few, not ten, saying I am the Christ, and will also lead many, not ten, not a thousand, but a bunch. And you will be hearing of wars, and rumors of wars, and see that you're not frightened. These are like reading the newspaper. We don't do that anymore, but reading, I don't know, Facebook, there you go. For those things must take place. That is not yet the end. Notice, must so it's, it's critical, because we get all upset, saying, where is God in all this? He's right in the middle of it. He says he, it must take place. So, so God's allowing this stuff to happen, because this thing's got to crash. It's got to crash before he can fix it. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, in various places there will be famines and earthquakes, but all these things are merely the beginnings of birth pangs. We talked about last time, what happens to birth pangs? They're slow, they're small, they're... Spaced out, over time they get closer together, the peaks get higher, the pain gets worse, the peaks get higher, the pain gets worse, closer together, closer together, closer together, wow, you get a birth. That's the end times. That's where we are. So you're like, you know, the pandemic's gone, we'll probably never see that again. I hope. But maybe not. As we progress through time, these things are going to get closer together. Merely the beginnings of birth pains. Then they will deliver you to tribulation and kill you, and will be hated by all nations on account of my, you will, on account of my name. And at that time, many will fall away. There you go, the falling away, this, this apostasy. And will deliver up one another, and hate one another. Like I said, it's where we are, isn't it? Unloving, unmerciful. It's where we are. It's the condition of today, and it's the condition that Jesus says to the conditions of the end days. Deliver up one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and mislead many because of lawlessness and is increased. Most people's love will grow cold. Love for who? For God and for each other. Marginalized, sectionalized, off together, by ourselves, hiding behind computer screens and uh, phones and not really involved in anybody's life because we're afraid. I mean, we've learned not to be. The whole ethos of... uh, cancel culture is that of offense everybody's offended uh the snowflake mindset is this least the least issue is offensive and then you go find a a safe place i mean how many groups have lost their names their their uh mascots they've changed uh trademarks uh all this change is symbols and all these things that might cause offense because they don't want to be canceled who wants to be canceled i mean really no one does no one wants to be offensive, but it seems like these people are going are way too easily offended. So it's interesting. How, how long do you think before someone sees you reading the Bible in public and is offended? Praying over your meal at Denny's and is offended and goes after you. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. It's just Sorry. But it has to get worse. And we have to get better at handling these kind of things. And that's the reason why we're talking about this stuff. I wish I could go back to the nice old East Texas woods days where, you know, the Bible was esteemed and Christian people were, were highly esteemed. It's just, those days aren't here anymore. They're not coming, I don't think, coming back. I wish they would. When, when will someone take offense that you wear a t shirt that some way references the Bible or Christianity? Tom Ray. When's that going to happen? He loves to wear his t-shirts. When is somebody going to be offended about the cross around your neck? I mean, we're offended, right? So where where does this stop? Or will it? No matter what it is, right? Our our world that we live in, the cancel culture, is dependent upon betrayal. What is betrayal? Let's get, get back to that. I skipped a part of it here. Being easily offended is, is linked by Jesus to hating one another and betraying one another. The word betray here is not the same word that's used what Judas did to Jesus. It's not someone who you were running with and you like, seemed to like and you were together like Judas was with Jesus and all of a sudden you turn on him. This level of betrayal doesn't require you to know the person at all. The, the word betrayal literally means to, to find something wrong with someone even though they've done nothing to you. So they're just looking for dirt on you. They're just trying to hunt it up. They go through all your Facebook posts. I, mean, I don't know how many people have said who are my age said, "I'm so glad that I did what I, the stupid stuff that I did before there was any kind of internet, because <laughs> boy would I have been, you know, canceled because of the dumb stuff that I said and did, no doubt." Uh, but but so so but this betrayal. So they go. They just secretly. They may not know you, but if they, if you give them a reason to go. Um, search you out, they do, looking for anything, anything inflammatory, anything to sell you out. What did I ever do to that person? Maybe nothing. Maybe nothing. Just the power to be able to mess with you. Again, why? Because people are unloving. They're unmerciful, and they know what they do is wrong, but even though they know that, they continue to encourage, do the same, and encourage those who do it. So, so, so they betray, much in the same way like the Germans betrayed the Jewish identities of their neighbors to the SS. They didn't know them. They would knock on the door and say, hey, I think that family down there at three doors is Jewish. Betrayal. That betrayal. So the end times will be marked, the scripture says, by people who actively look for ways to expose people around them. Love of many, most will go cold, it says, for the sake of harassment and destruction. I mean, wouldn't you say that's where we are today? I really think we are. Cancel culture, like I said, is dependent upon betrayal. We all have things from our past that we wish nobody would bring up, don't we? Do you have just a beautiful past? I know I've said many times, I'm so grateful that when I was a teenager, there was no such thing as paintball guns because I would have been arrested. (laughs) I would have been arrested. We didn't shoot guns at people, because that's bad. But paintball, that's all fun, isn't it? It would have been so bad. You know the, I'm getting way off here. You know the, (laughs) this is one of my temptations. I'm just confessing, so I won't do it. You know the the nude beach up here. Paintball, a paintball gun. Oh my goodness. Oh. Now, sure enough, this is going on media, and I'm going to be canceled, but just so y'all know. I'm just being real, I'm just telling you, I'm not going to do it. There's paint on any naked person up there, it was not me. (laughs) Y'all didn't know there was a nude beach up there, see now, that's the first thing we get out of here, honey, we're headed up the beach. (laughs) Wow, if they could drag up the stuff from my past, from your past, I mean, all of us have, there's not an exception to this, right? I mean, if you're going to really hunt and sniff closely, you're going to find something that you could at least interpret as something bad. And we could all be canceled. And that's effectively what's happening. I said there's no certain group, there's no rules, but it seems to be very, very predictable. And all the world is fueled by this cancel culture, those mistakes that have been allowed to remain in the past, they don't let them remain in the past. They go looking for them. And then when they dig them up, this, no, who cares who you are now, how God's changed you, how you've changed, how you become a better person, like, like, like the church there, Uh, uh, Pastor Hodges there in in Birmingham all the things that the church did and he he likes a couple of uh, Instagram posts and boom all that's out torches and pitchforks cancelled people intentionally dig through others past to find any shred of inflammatory information and they bring it out on you that's cancel culture it's all about betrayal Uh, past incidences no one knows No one knows them. No one knows what they're really like. They're just out to hurt people. That's the culture. That's cancel culture. Cancel culture is is dependent upon betrayal. It's defined by disdain, deception, and there's no greater day to keep people in the dark, right? Because I can hide behind a computer screen, behind a phone, and I can tell you anything. I'm in a conversation right now about a computer with a lady, honey, who is... Clearly, a technician from Japan, I mean, from China, trying to, trying to sift me from information of what I... Anyway, because they asked, they sent me several emails because I bought this, this computer thing. And they sent me several emails trying to fish for information to see what I'm doing with it. And so now I've got a lady talking to me through their... Anyway, I'm about to cancel her, just so you know. Because <laughs> I, no, I, see, I, I see it. But anyway, all, all this deception, others uh, never easier than today. Never easier today to lie about ourselves. Never easier today for us to lie about you. I can even be you. In fact, many people are. We got this whole people stealing our identities and taking credit cards out and loans out in our names and all this stuff. Again, because why? Because we don't love anymore. We don't have a heart for people. We don't feel bad about the stuff that we do anymore. We've been so far separated from from uh, God, and we've so turned our backs on Him, no longer acknowledge Him anymore, so we don't have all, all the, the, the last residual things of who God is in us, or na- the nature of God, and, the, and being made in God's image has pretty much been erased. We don't act like Him anymore. Instead, we act like the Father that we follow, which is Satan. It's cancel culture. Based on disdain, uh, like I said, mad at more people than, that I've never met It just all with no facts at all, really, no facts at all. Based on disdain, defined by disdain, dependent upon betrayal, and here's what it leads to. A cultural disconnection. A cultural disconnection. We know less people in our immediate neighborhoods than we ever did. I grew up, I knew probably 90% of the people in the neighborhood I lived in. Now, some of them I knew well enough to know you need to stay away from them, but I knew them. I knew who they were, I knew what their dog's name was, their chickens, their friends, I knew what kind of car they drove. Did you grow up in a small enough community where somebody bought a new car that you, they drove by and you were kind of offended? You were like, why didn't they tell us? Well, they coming here with a new car? They're supposed to put it up, you know, I don't, or, I don't know, send it out in triplicate so everybody can, you know, check it off and say, yeah, that's a good idea, that's a good idea, yep, yep, yep. Now, we don't know each other and we like it that way. And why is that? Because of betrayal, and because of distrust, and because of disdain. And so we go out and build compounds, either literally or mentally or both, to keep people out. And we hedge ourselves in, and we keep ourselves. Uh, we've been marginalized, and so we like to keep it that way. Uh, look at verse 12 here again in Matthew verse 24, chapter 24. Because of lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. Just a coldness. I don't want you to know me because I don't trust you. I don't want you involved in my life because I don't know what you'll do with it. So you see how this, this spirals down? And so now we're separated from each other. You have the same problem in churches, and, and I'm telling you, it doesn't work like that. It won't work like that. Culture leads to more and more into the tribulation, will be characterized by this coldness and indifference. In a recent study, nearly half. Of Americans had not made a single friend in the past five years. Half. Because why? It's just where we are. It's not spots and uh, uh, a town here and a city there and a state over there. It's, it's all of us. This, this is a massive spiritual movement that's sweeping not just the Americas, but sweeping all over the world. It's true, true everywhere. Our relationships have grown cold as a result of disdain, distrust, and deception. We so desperately need, speaking just as an aside, small groups. Never before, ever in the church history have we ever needed to be more focused on small groups because we are so separated. We're so separated. We need to be committed to a group of people who will know our business keep us from, like I said, shooting people with paintball guns or whatever it is. They know all of our personal stuff. They understand us. They love us. They pray for us. They minister to us. I mean, we know this. The body of Christ only ministers in small groups. The body of Christ right now is being ministered by a single gift. There, here I am. Hi. That's not the body of Christ. So the body of Christ only has a mouth. What, how good is that? got to have fingers and toes and elbows and knee joints and uh, bald spots and ears and eyeballs and all that the body has to minister but in order for that to happen every part has to have an t- opportunity to function we don't have that t- opportunity right now i'm up here monologuing that only happens in small groups so the body has to minister to itself. You need old ones with young ones, young ones with old ones, similars, people from other states, other, other religious, other religious, other, other denominational backgrounds. Uh, we need to be together. Our, our goal is, it, it needs to be our goal, because here's where we're headed. We're headed, part of our cancel culture is church. Part of it, we're going to be counseled. And the freedoms we've had, I'm not trying to scare anybody, I'm just trying to warn everybody. The freedoms we've had and breeding in large congregations, it's going to be over soon. Who knows how soon that is, I don't know, not not my lifetime, but it's coming. We've never been closer. It's already happened in other cultures similar to ours. I know of stories that I can't relay to you, but I would tell you anyway, it's in Canada. <laughs> You're not able to meet in their churches anymore in some places until they sign documents that say they approve of abortion and they approve of the homosexual movement. Yeah. They've been canceled. So they meet online and they meet in small groups. That's not every church in Canada. All the whole Canada Canadians have all fallen apart. No, I'm just saying certain places are. Certain places in the United States are that we haven't heard of yet. I'd be willing to bet you. Yeah, it's not right, right? We ought to stop that. Yeah, but it's coming. It's coming. So small groups are harder to stop. You say, I'm just going to their house. What's wrong with that? Yeah, we hear you doing the Bible over there. Okay, well, what are you going to do about that? We can't be in our churches anymore, maybe. That day is coming. It's predicted, I believe, predicted in the Scriptures. Whether it's going to come in my lifetime or actually really soon, I don't know. But you can see how it's not hard to imagine anymore. It used to be impossible. How could that be possible? Nobody I knew was even like that. Now it seems like so many that I know or somewhat know. Are like that, desperately need to be involved in each other's lives. Make it make it a good mix. We tend to mix with those that are like us, that are our age or the stuff that we like. Mix mix with others. The body of Christ isn't just one thing, it's multiple people. So where do we go? Here's the here's the question. Where do we go from here? So to live as members of God's kingdom, a world that's growing further and further away from the things of God is tough. So we need to be ready. Like I said, it's not the nice little uh, East Texas town that I grew up in, where everybody, at least on the surface, was a Christian. It's not like that anymore. People are up front about their non-Christianity. Four uncancelable concepts. Number one, wisdom takes a lot of wisdom to live in the days we live in, always has, but even more so in the days we live in because we don't really have a precedent. Not not in this culture. People generally were nice. Generally, we look out for each other, wouldn't go out to get anyone. There were the few exceptions, and when they were, those were the people that were marginalized because they're acting evil. We'd push them out of, of our culture and society, which I think is a correct thing to do. But today, they're the leaders. They're the ones that are setting the trends. So, so how do we live? So we're like sheep in the midst of wolves, and these wolves are devouring people, right? And the wolves are separating us. So what do we need to do? We need wisdom. Remember, wisdom isn't just what you know, it's what you do with what you know. Wisdom, uh, to to take from Forrest Gump, wisdom is as wisdom does. Not what you can tell me to do, but what you do. What is a wise person? Watch what they do. Not what they say. We We need to be, wisdom is what I do with my life, what I've learned with. We ask for wisdom, we believe that God will give it to us, and then we follow him, and expect Him to lead us. Colossians chapter chapter 4, verse 6. Your speech must always be with grace. Now here's written in a time, the New Testament, very interesting, is sitting in a time when, when the church was canceled and marginalized and threatened and, and persecuted. So actually, the, the, the New Testament's a great resource. But in many cases, at least for me, reading the New Testament in a day when, when Christianity was sort of the cultural norm, it's kind of hard to understand the kind of things they go through. Now it's not so hard to understand. I can see it now. It makes sense now. So, so in, that, in that tough culture where they were persecuted as they were in the first century, Paul says, your speech must always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt. Salt fixes stuff. Not that you don't say things. It's not that you don't correct. But, but it's with grace so that you will know how you should respond to each person, because that's our job. We have a response, we have an answer that we're, that we're supposed to be giving. We need saltiness, that's correction and truth, but we also need it to be covered with grace at all times. In a culture where people are killing each other with their words, uh, with their posts, with their tweets, about things they know nothing about, or have little, very little information about, we need to have our words seasoned with salt. Covered in grace, not returning evil for evil, interested in reconciliation, not division. Uh, careful to give our opinion because we know that in most cases we don't have all the facts. Very careful. Again, I'm recommending you can go to social media. I just wouldn't, honestly, it wouldn't say a thing. Just stay out. Be careful. Be very careful. Proverbs 17 verse twenty eight even a fool when he keeps silent where what was the i don't see david the other Sunday school class are talking about sins of the tongue, right uh, yeah, we said this morning the best the best way not to sin with your tongue is don't use it <laughs> just don't say a thing and say we need to just back out of a lot of this stuff because truly we don't know really all the things that are going on uh, I have a friend that all, all he posts is scripture verses he doesn't comment about it, he doesn't say just God knows what to say, and we, you and I, not so much. Even a fool, when he keeps silent, is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he's considered prudent. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good point right there. So number one, wisdom. Number two, courage. We need to be courageous. God, God told Joshua, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. What was true for Joshua is true for us. God is with us. Behold, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. I will be with you to the end of the age. Go, therefore, make disciples, right? Never leaves us. There's no reason to be discouraged. No reason to be upset. Again, our world's, part of the world's purpose is to scare us. Don't do that. Do not be terrified. You got this, kind of, that kind of command in all over in the Scriptures. Acts 4. I'm sorry. That's not Acts 4. Hmm, Joshua 1.9, and then all the way to (laughs) Revelation 7.40. Hmm, let's go to the next one. Oh, there it is. (laughs) That's a good verse, but it didn't fit what I was doing. Acts 4.31, and when they had prayed, here's what happened. So the church is marginalized. In fact, they're told they're going to get canceled like this. By, by the, the Sanhedrin. And they said, don't go and preach about this Jesus anymore. And they went back and they prayed. And this is what happened. When they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. See, it's not about preservation of life. It's not about preservation of our incomes. It's not about preservation of what we like or our comforts or whatever. It's about serving God. You're going to die anyway. You're going to lose it all anyway. So if, if God so wills that you do earlier, then that's fine. But that we live a life that is faithful to him with boldness. Jeremiah is a great example of someone who was, who was marginalized and canceled. Listen, listen to this verse. Talk about a modern verse from a very old part of the Bible, Jeremiah 18:18. So come, so Jeremiah has been preaching this stuff about what's going to happen to Jerusalem, what's going to happen to leadership, how God's going to destroy it. Of course, 100% of it came true. But this was their response before it ever happened. This was their response to Jeremiah. Interesting tactic. Well, you can read the devil's uh, words here for sure. Come, let us devise plans against Jeremiah. Certainly the law is not going to be lost by the priests. That's what Jeremiah has been preaching, and that's what happened. Nor advice by the wise. That's what Jeremiah has been preaching, and that's what happened nor the divine word by the prophet. That's what Jeremiah been preaching. And that's what happened. Come, let us strike him with our tongue. Woo! Wow, powerful stuff, isn't it? That's cancel right there. That's the power of cancel culture. And we know how powerful the tongue can be. Very, very powerful. So we need courage. The mob's going to mock us, they're going to malign us, and society will shame and slander us. And we have to have courage to stay at our posts do what God's called us to do. Not give up. Know the scriptures well enough to know we should expect this. Yeah, I've been expecting this. You did it to Jeremiah, gonna do it to me. Hey, I'm ready for it. I mean, I wished it was different, but it's okay. I know God's in control. Uh, it's a great attitude to have. So, first, wisdom, second, courage, third, forgiveness in a world of mistakes or from the distant past or brought up and it, with the intent of not forgiving them. Talk about a day when those who are called to forgive can really shine. When the world gets darker, the lights of God should shine even brighter. And uh, so incredibly important. We saw this in our forgiveness series recently in Colossians uh, 3. That's not it. I don't know what I did. Oh, no, but this, that, that is Colossians. That's, that's the title of 2 Timothy, but that's Colossians 3:12 through 14. I think I was sleeping when I did these. And those who who have been chosen by God, that's that's you. So you've been called out of darkness into light? That's a choice of God. Holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion. Here's, notice the, the way you're supposed to dress. This is a dressing for us every day. This is how you dress heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Is that describing you? It needs to describe you. God has given us the power through his Holy Spirit to be these things. Every day you wake up and say, this is what I am, I'm putting this on. Bearing with one another, forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so as much as you do do also, in addition to all these things, put on love. So as this overcoat, we put on love. And this is exactly opposite of the direction the world's going today want away from love, away from forgiveness, away from kindness, away from compassion. And we, by the grace of God, are headed the other way. Let's shine in that. Shine. Show show the difference that God has made in your lives and allow God to make that difference. So so wisdom and courage and forgiveness. And then finally, love. Of course, we've already said that. Putting on love is sort of this thing that binds, binds everything together. Do you remember the story where Jesus canceled a woman? Remember that? This woman got drugged in front of him, and she'd been caught in this heinous act, and, and, and uh, Jesus said, kill her, and the guys that drug her in said, no, I think we should forgive her. He says, no, she deserves to be stoned to death because she's broken law, remember that? And they rescued the, the girl, woman, out of Jesus' hands, remember that story? Nah, it didn't happen. That's not what happened. That's not the way Jesus operated. It was the opposite, right? So you got all these sinners in there, and Jesus made sure everybody knew that they were sinners. he says, he who is without sin cast the first stone. All these sinners canceling, you know, X, she's out, she's gone. We're canceling her. She was a sinner. So were they. She did wrong. So had they. If you're going to cancel on the grounds of sin, Jesus effectively says, then the one who doesn't have sin is the first one that gets to push the cancel button. No, that's not who we are. Cancel culture is laser focused on judgment, on accusations, on vilification. And the goal of cancer is to broadcast their sins uh, everywhere. That's their whole target. On the contrary, love covers a multitude of sins. So it's not that I don't talk to you about your sin. It's just that I don't broadcast it anywhere. It stays in our relationship. I got sin in my life, and you come to me, and hey, I got to have that. I have to be held accountable. You need to be held accountable. It's not that we just overlook stuff. It just simply means that I don't share it with anybody else. I don't go to anybody else unless you know you don't repent. Then it's just one or two other people that I take along with me because we're trying to keep this close. And then we take it to the higher level. And if you don't want to repent and go away from it, but still we, we deal with each other in kindness. Again, we are, treat each other as we would want to be treated. So I, I, I read, uh, had one of my interesting, uh, one of my friends recently lives over here in Laguna Vista, and she was having problems. They were having problems. Somebody had, she was just looking through their HOA uh, online minutes, and she noticed that someone had posted on the HOA that someone who lived at her residence, which is her, was not not obeying the HOA rules. Their dogs were out barking all night long. They were causing all kinds of problems and all kinds of things, and so she began to look down, and because it was signed at the bottom who it was, it was her next-door neighbor. This lady hadn't come and talked to her. And, and when she went over and she brought the article and said, can't, I'm sorry, can't we talk? Of course, the lady was, you know, totally different in face-to-face. It's interesting. We're behind a computer screen, behind a phone. We turn into these devils. But she goes and knocks on the door, kind of find out it was, she said, I, 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 I don't understand why you said this, first of all. And number two, my dogs aren't ever out at night. And the lady was like, well then whose dogs are that turn it was it's their it's their behind the it's the neighbor that backs up to them. But she took her to the court, you know, and complained about her, you know, in this public forum. And that's the culture that we're in today, because we don't not involved in people's lives. She got involved. She says, you know what, we're we're good now. And the lady's far better, but that's kind of the way things are. We we've pushed ourselves or allowed ourselves to be push to the place, but, but love doesn't act that way, it doesn't, love keeps it between you and me, because the love for others has grown cold, this cultural culture is, is taking the option to more and more stay away, and lob bombs, you know, at each other, but again, like I said, we're canceling, the cancel culture is canceling itself, what goes around does come around. And so it's just, it, it is where we are today for sure. So we're going to stop right there. Questions? Something I said that wasn't clear? I've been waiting five years for you to use chickens in the house. I used them a couple of times. Chickens are a great illustration of, they're terrible birds. <laughs> I had a high school teacher that wouldn't allow us to, he would have a party every Friday. We couldn't bring uh, anything made of chocolate because somebody had brought something made of chocolate, x one Friday. And then he wouldn't allow us to bring anything made from chicken because he always grew up in the woods and he had to run chickens out of the outhouse before he could go in there. And he's like, mm, no chickens, no chocolate. So anyway, so there's your chocolate story and your chicken story. Nasty birds, vul- yard vultures is what they are. So, We just had some, didn't we? Didn't we have some chicken today? Sharks too, catfish. No questions. Perfectly clear. Great time to be church people. It really is. Not, it's not when everything's going our way that we're the best. We're the best when the world is going against us. The church is much healthier when she's persecuted. Much healthier when the, there's a stark contrast between what a Christian is and what the average world is. And we're getting, the average is getting lower and lower and lower, of course, in our culture. So what a great day to serve God. What a great day to be uh, a light and salt. And what a great day. Many people, like I said, the, the, the best way... For people to come out of the dark is for it to get really dark. People get sick of it. They get tired and they, they need to get to the bottom of it and say, you know what, this is, I don't want this. I want the light. And I can tell that you have it because you act so differently than the world and the people that I'm, that I'm used to. So what a great day to serve. It. So let's, uh, let's stand and, let's, and we'll be dismissed. God, I thank you so much for um, you always warn us. You never leave us in the dark. You never leave us without information. You you long to share with us, Lord, what you're doing, where we're headed. Um, You tell us what we need to know. Not everything there is to know, but you tell us what we need to know. Lord, I pray that you would give us great courage in these days to stop worrying about ourselves because we're secure with you because of what your son Jesus has done and start being so deeply concerned about our world, being careful how we address people, being careful how we deal with things on especially social media and and other things, being the diffuser of problems and not the causer of problems, God. Help us to be careful with our tongues and wherever our tongues may uh, be uh, proliferated in our world. Thank you, God. For teaching us tonight making us ready continue to do that we ask in jesus name amen thanks for visiting find us at www.islandbaptistchurch.org